Hello, and welcome to Forecast, the foreshadow podcast, which seeks to offer glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. In this, our second season, we are diving deeper into the concept of vocation. Our theme is Called Forth, Vocation and Faith, and the guiding questions we will consider are, who are we called to become, and what are we called to do? Though I'm confident we will never fully or universally answer these questions, I'm sure that we will glean something valuable from each of our guests. Speaking of guests, today joining me, your host, Will Shine, is my good friend, Julius Obregon Jr. Julius, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are in the world. Hello. Um, I am physically in San Diego. Um, as Will had mentioned, we have been friends for quite a while. I think our connection is through Point Loma Nazarene University. A quick shout out to yeah, our as, as as several of our guests get that same shout. Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> the, such as the where we mine our connections from. Yes, yes, a lot of mining. <laughs> Indeed, the network. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, my background is in Point Loma, I was a philosophy and theology major, a degree that no longer exists in the form that it did when <laughs> I was a student. Um, Such as time. Indeed, but a valuable degree nonetheless um, throughout my four years there. And like from, from high school into college, I'd felt some, I mean, speaking of calling, like part of what I've kind of identified my calling to be has to do with the intersection between music and worship and a lot of the leadership context that I've served in have to do with pastoring um, in a which is I, I guess the more that I have conversations with people of other denominations and faith backgrounds it feels like the the title of music pastor feels a, it is a little unique to certain expressions of <laughs> of, of Christian worship but I, but I feel um, I feel grateful to have been able to do work um, pastoring people specifically through I'm seeing music and the arts as a way of incorporating people into the church and seeing music as part of our liturgy as like understanding the songs as having uh, an integral part in our theological formation, our spiritual formation, the formation of our longings, which connects me to the stuff that I'm super interested in now. I no longer um, work as a music pastor in that context, but um, after graduating college, I got plugged into a church where I was serving as a music pastor. And after that church, unfortunately, closed. Um, this is in San Diego as well? This is in San Diego as well, yeah. I've been here since um, for a long time. <laughs> uh, for the longest time of the times I've been anywhere. But um, I was fortunate enough that one of the pastors that I worked with um, had started a Christian formation nonprofit, uh, which... <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of. Uh, it's always hard for me to talk about because that feels like a lot of insider language to describe the thing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was that was definitely. St- we can. We'll unpack that in a bit. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I try my best to make it accessible, but it's called Shema S H E M A Center for Christian Formation, and I've been one of the assistant directors there for um, I believe a couple years now, two or three years. And in short, the organization um, creates resources, offers training and mentorship to local pastors or students who like feel some call to ministry. And we offer resources drawing from um, drawing inspiration heavily from monastic rhythms and practices 
to help people um once again like i i'm glad that you got me for the vocation <laughs> series because that's exactly our jam is helping people kind of start to discover um what vocation looks like for them um and so and using the practices and rhythms that we love from like observing how like monastic people do life um using those resources and rhythms as a way of um like embodying that vocation in in everyday life um so we've got like a year-long apprenticeship program that um a few like current Point Loma students are walking through and like a few local pastors who are not necessarily like in, in their 20s or anything but like established in ministry but I think the problem or at least like the pain point that we're trying to address and serve is the um the apparent kind of dis disintegration and fragmentation that one can feel um going into ministry especially as I know for myself um I being a philosophy and theology major, I could very much get into the weeds of the heady stuff. <laughs> but as I stepped into what it looks like to minister in the local church, I had to really do a lot of work to connect all that heady stuff to things like my heart and like my body and what I do with my everyday. So it's a I think what we love about the monastics is that they understand kind of the integration between all of those parts. And it's um, the focus on daily habits is an important part of kind of embodying our vocation, because I think we understand vocation to be um, more than being defined by those kind of few and far between um, grandiose moments where we might display character or um, those heroic moments. Um, that our character and vocation is um, is best displayed and embodied in what we do with our everyday life, the things that are habitual to us, um, the everyday small decisions that we make. And so focusing on those things, we, we want to help pastors and students pay attention to daily habits and paying attention to daily habits that connect them to their vocation or whatever they like what it is where I love that right before this, I was looking up, I think it was Frederick Beekner who defines, I don't know if you've mentioned this at all in the episodes prior, but I love that vocation is defined, um, at least from Beekner's terms as something like where, where our, our deepest, um, deepest gladness meets the world's deepest needs. Right. Um, and so I think, a lot of our program is not just like a reading list, but all, like I think walking people through introducing them through contemplative prayer practices and like just a way to structure your daily life that um, orders, um, yeah, that, that orders our day towards communion with God and others. Um, which once again, I feel like <laughs> I just spoke for five minutes and I think it's all accurate, the language that I spoke, but definitely takes a lot of unpacking. <laughs> We're an organization that <laughs> helps people connect vocation to daily habits and life. No, yeah, I mean, that's uh, th Well, thank you, first off, for, for sharing that and for giving us a very clear and robust sense of where you're coming from and what you've been doing lately. I think that's definitely the fodder for our conversation today. And something that I think we want to bring to listeners is this sense of of uh, untangling words such as vocation, yeah. calling, things like this. And so 
yeah, hearing a little bit about how, which is, which is interesting because what some of what you're doing mm-hmm. is, is, uh, is addressing the, the, the term mm-hmm. and, and it's, and it's outworking the practice of said term head on. Yeah. Voca- vocation can manifest, right. As you've sort of alluded to already in mm-hmm. a myriad of ways in different people's lives, you know, the, the, the Buechner quote, deepest gladness meets deepest needs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's very different for a lot of people. Yeah. And so you're looking at vocation at sort of a meta, uh, 30,000 feet level <laughs> and yeah. as like a term in and of itself that then has some sort of like, uh, implication. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then obviously there are infinite numbers of ways in which that again manifests itself or is, is worked yeah. out in the world. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, kind of getting, uh, to know so that the listener has a better sense of, of, not just your work in that sort of pastoral oversight sort mm-hmm. of uh, working through this, not contested, but like this term and helping others navigate it as well. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about, uh, and this can be in the past or in the present, some of, uh, of it, last, I'll preface that by saying last season we did a lot with mm-hmm. uh, people who have sort of uh, creative impulses and creative yeah. um, uh creatively adjacent livelihoods even, or they do like some sort of creative project for their livelihoods, uh, or they might identify as we might use the term vocation or calling musicians, artists, poets, writers that you name it. We, we talk to them and and they talk to us (laughs) as it were, um, all to say, tell us a little bit more about some of your own, uh, explorations of you, you touched on at the beginning of Mm -hmm. vocation as it relates to maybe not just Christian worship, but just the practices of music and their intersections with sort of your intellectual uh, uh, ascents mm. and efforts. Uh, and, and again, it could just be, yeah. besides that at first, just being a musician growing up, playing guitar, as I know you do, yeah. or <laughs> singing, writing songs. Tell us a little bit more about your own sense of like yeah. um, found vocation or identity or however you want to phrase that for us. Absolutely. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, it's stuff that I'm honestly still sorting through myself and kind of discovering and I think is part of the I think that's what I like about the word is vocation is like there's something about it and like the language of calling that doesn't feel static it's like a Mm. it's like a it has something to do with like long it's like there's like a pull to it you know of like you're listening to this thing like if if you would put it that way like the the voice or the pull of God or that greater than ourselves um and it seems like beyond you. I mean, maybe for our yeah. listeners and too, because we, we haven't done a lot of episodes by any means in, in this uh, in this season or about this theme yet. Yeah. And so getting into that that sense of what a calling even is or yeah. what like that that outside of oneself. Well, what maybe seems like what is both it's it's paradoxical, right? It's both like yeah. what is most deeply within us and yeah. yet what is like outside beckoning maybe to us, uh, some would, would certainly say that God calls. Others yeah. might have other ways of articulating that. But yeah, you, you were riffing on that. Keep going. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I'm starting to understand, like, I, I'm sure that for some people, like, they would experience calling in an external, kind of like in a very traditional, I don't know if that's traditional, but like, you know, like, oh, I heard, like, I got a vision from God or whatever, and it's mm. never been so grandiose or, or clear as that for me necessarily. But I, I do think that, um, I guess just to um, address the kind of very the practical 
fleshy embodied parts of your question music has been a big part of it for me mm. and it's uh ever since i was i mean my dad was a recording artist growing up but that's okay. for an, that's for another time <laughs> at length yeah. about my dad um but growing senior. up around yes julius obregon senior <laughs> has a story of his own for sure but he um to so grew up around music and when i was young too he became a pastor so i was always kind of around both but it wasn't until like I was in middle school or something that I like I picked up the guitar and the story of it's not super romantic. Like I I wanted to be a basketball player honestly, which feels a little foolish <laughs> being under six, <laughs> being somewhat mediocre. But I'm Filipino, so <laughs> I, I think at some point every Filipino kid wants to be a basketball player. <laughs> hey man, sky's the limit. I don't know what the figure speech there is that's appropriate, sure. but uh, sky's but, uh... the limit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Spud Webb, man, he, he did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are no limits. Yeah. You can do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> I I found music around like ten or eleven or twelve, and it, it, like I said, it wasn't a very romantic story. My dad brought home a guitar because uh, the church got him one to use for like Christmas caroling, and I oh, asked nice. if I could. Yeah, and I asked if I could play it. And I think just out of, like, wanting to protect this asset, he was like, no, you told me not to touch it. <laughs> and so I was like, ah, I will show you. <laughs> and so we got, like a, <laughs> we got a guitar from Toys R Us um, the week afterwards, and I uh, looked up some lessons online and was just, like, stoked to strum a D chord for, like, the rest of the week. <laughs> and I think that was the start of it. <laughs> but since then, um, it's been this it's been this journey of really like growing to love it. Like I, I started really just loving guitar um, and then like learning to, I mean, taking a stab at singing in high school and then that, and just being involved in the church naturally, I got um, taken up into stuff like worship bands for church. And there was one time that um, the, the usual music leader was like out sick and so I kind of had to step in and that was like kind of my first my first role or like my first opportunity to step into that and I think that um there was something about high school that felt like a pressure cooker of a lot of different um I mean that was around the time that I I think that just being being in that in that situation made me feel like oh I think I like this and I think there's something meaningful to it but then I would also kind of like grapple with the other part of myself that just like wanted to be like an artist outside mm. of the, <laughs> outside of the, cause I think at that time I, I, I didn't see the connections between the two of like my wanting to be a songwriter or like wanting to be the next John Mayer admitted, like, <laughs> which feels embarrassing to say, but I know we were all there at some point. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, oh, yeah. I, if, if, if listeners are familiar with my yeah. first interview and background, you know, to quickly tangent here it's this it's a very similar story it's reconciling yeah. these two different sort of like worlds that i didn't realize yeah. maybe would intersect and then not again whatever the case may be but continue <laughs> totally um well this could be a very long-winded story but uh, uh the main the main points are just like being around like i think it was it was useful for me to kind of hold on to that part of myself that was i think what that was was like I was seeking something like significance or meaning. And I think I would connect that now to kind of like, I think I wanted to find myself be a part of something bigger. And like that music was kind of my avenue to kind to, to tell stories. I think that mm. was an, that was an early thread. 
And eventually those two kind of began to coalesce and I found myself on the receiving end of music, like being like very, very moved and during a time of musical worship. Mm. And like there was a time that I felt like to, I, I think I was like, there was a lot going on in that time of just like being a teenager and wrestling with kind of questions of longing and identity and meaning that like there was something about um, this time of musical worship that like something about just the everything, something about the everything, <laughs> the textures, <laughs> the sounds that were being played, the words that were being sung and spoken, the way that it pulled people together and the way that it pulled me into it that I felt like a really palpable experience of like, oh, I think that this God stuff that like my parents have been talking to me about, I felt like I had a very like um, visceral connection to like, whoa, there's something bigger than myself. And Through I wanted- a sonic experience, it sounds like. Absolutely, yeah. And, and the way that it's not just like, ah, I'm interested on your take on this because this is a very musicology kind of thing of like <laughs> the like music, music-ing that like, it's yeah. not just- <laughs> Not right, just- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not not necessarily just the sounds, but the way that like the sound moves the air in that space and the people that are there in that time the and music happening in like um pulling together everything of that moment. I think that like all of that came together to be a really um profound moment for me. Um and I wanted to make that happen for other people. Like mm. um and I think that's still where I am in like enjoying the work that I do like it's not always I mean just by the nature of our work like it's a lot of people who are interested in faith but also like a lot of people who are interested in faith with a creative bent because it seems to be like I think creative people just like naturally as people who can um I mean I know there's a whole spectrum of people who are creative but it feels like people who are in the arts especially like songwriters and people who are trying to get um to step into the intersection of art and faith like love exploring questions of like meaning and longing and transcendence. Yeah. There are others who have talked about, you know, the artists sort of like, um, as a, as, as having perceived like a, a perception of the transcendent, perhaps, even if they're not coming from an explicitly religious context yeah. or don't have explicitly religious, uh, or spiritual agenda there, mm. there always seems to be some, something, some beyondness, to their yeah. uh, and and yet very like imminent, I guess as well to use another sort of fancy uh, ontological <laughs> term. But uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like uh, but like you know these uh, the, the the artist seems very sensitive to that. So it, it makes sense too that you kind of describe this sort of like journey from a Toys R Us guitar and yeah. like this appeal and then really connecting with that. And 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 Julius didn't get into it here in this conversation but maybe not i can't speak to all space and time uh mm -hmm. in terms of the institution that is point loma nazarene university but <laughs> sure. as far as i'm concerned i can think of maybe one other guitar player that sort of holds a candle to julius's <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like ab ab abilities and That's sort funny. of like uh and and not just virtuosity but musicality and so yeah <laughs> Julius is is uh, I'm hoping that we'll have an opportunity to showcase some of your creative works uh, uh, in the, as a addendum to this episode. But uh, sure. yeah, you are you are an immensely talented fellow, and so um, yeah. well, some of that. the some of the I, I love how you've addressed some of the intersecting of yeah. of of these things. Um, maybe too, just to like so that my 
my or not my, but the listeners know <laughs> that I'm, I'm not saying this out of in a vacuum somewhere. Talk about some of the the formational practices that you adopted. You talked yeah. about rhythms a little bit earlier, monastic sure. stuff. Talk about some of the formational stuff, just the nitty gritty stuff that that maybe mm-hmm. uh, informs some of my perception of your skill, prowess, and oh, uh, okay. and and capacity as that then informed you as like whether it's a worship leader or just guitar player performer or the, all of those things. Sure. Talk about some of like. What did what what did a day or a routine or like a, a, a yeah. late middle school high school Julius do to become <laughs> the the prodigious guitar player slash songwriter slash worship leader that you are today? Yeah. Besides having these sort of transcendent experiences that drew you into a sense of totally invitation of calling. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it it the pursuit of vocation is that kind of back and forth, isn't it? Of like the big, like I mean, like I said, sometimes they're far and few between between, and sometimes they don't manifest in such grandiose events but the between the kind of like whoa transcendence and then but then like working it out in the imminent and i love that you're connecting it to my guitar playing because that's like that has been a huge um i think my participation in music as a craft has like resourced me a lot in understanding what something like what discipleship is Mm. so like to concretely answer your question a lot of middle school it was like both a blessing and a curse that i was homeschooled in sixth grade because we were in between like moves um, mm. But that meant that I had so much time on my hands, <laughs> like to, um, maybe at the <laughs> at the expense of my uh, uh, my physical well being, <laughs> like physical activity and movement and social <laughs> uh, what was it social interactions. But basically, <laughs> what I'm saying is, um, sixth grade I spent like hours like learning different guitar solos like practicing scales practicing to a metronome just like trying to get on the inside of my favorite like Jimi hendrix solos or like learning all of these riffs like i don't know clapped in from cream um that's pretty fast from from 10 11 you know uh uh to the next year like 12 yeah. sixth grade right you know from yeah. toys r us d chord to uh that's to getting true. in to, to then even saying getting inside of a, your favorite Jimi Hendrix. So this is a different kind of level of sort of like commitment and dedication, sure. practice, routine. Yeah, yeah. Tell, keep going. Tell us more. I think um, that's a really, I think that's really insightful and you're helping me connect kind of like, I think what it is was um, the relationship between the two was just like, I, I discovered such a deep like love and curiosity for this thing. And, um, it yeah. is, and that's where, that's what fueled my discipline of like, that's why I would, I mean, of course, like it was frustrating to like, not be able to have my fingers do certain things or like not have certain shapes or like licks under my fingers. But, um, it was like, I found a lot of value in kind of sitting down and doing the, the really rote, like, oh, I gotta practice my pentatonic scales and like connecting shapes and all that stuff. And a lot of the times it felt boring, and like, um, but I knew that there was something to it. Like, I think there was just the right balance of like, I'd go between kind of the hard work of the rote stuff, but also still tap into like, but I love this thing. And so this is worth the kind of like blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> They're like the calluses on my fingers, the, um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of what it, t- it was, it was a lot of, um, I do attribute a lot of like my growth to just my love for the thing itself of like, and that's self-directed, I, right? Self-directed yeah. this whole time. You're not like, you don't have like a, a, Ooh, a like an instructor a, or like a pedagogue sitting over you, you know, and saying, this is what you must yeah. do 
to you achieve that's, this. That's a really actually that's a good um that's a good thing to point out too. I had um it was back and forth too. So I started by myself, and then I was like, I reached a certain point where I was like, oh, there's so many things that I don't know that like mm. I I don't think I can take um myself to, and so I sought out a teacher, and my teacher I think like my first teacher helped give me a this is exactly like an analog of what my spiritual life is like of just like wow (laughs) of like following this longing and then getting to a point of like oh man like i think i can only go so far by myself like i need Mm. to learn under someone else who has like who is maybe more initiated in these ways or like how can help me to kind of even know what questions to ask that i don't know to ask good jedi practice come on keep going (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um oh yes uh lots of parallels to that as well (laughs) but it was a lot of so it was a season of me kind of like exploring and then like reaching the limits of where my curiosity could take me and i had all these questions and then i was given structures and like things to practice and like um and so that's when I was like, oh, like, it's important to learn to read, even though I'm not that good at it still at the age of 27. But, like, it's it's important to at least, like, know how to work your way around this, like, know how to practice to a click, like, know stuff like theory. And then from there, I was given these things. I was like, oh, great, now I can sit with this. And then I taught myself and ran with that for, like, the next year. And then I was like, by the time we had moved, I was like, I need another teacher. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do with this. Mm. <laughs> and, and then that person helped make helped me make sense of more of that and then that got me through high school and like it like I I started digging into more and more stuff and then got to college and like my various professors there even opened up like I think it was like a it was a back and forth of me like being given something and then working it out to my limits until I was like help me and then but I think it was being around somebody who um had uh, maybe, like to bridge this to something theological they they've had more time in communion with this thing called music or with this craft sure and and so just being around them there were times where i would sit like my senior year was when i had like a jazz guitar teacher and so many of our lessons were just like i have no idea what you're doing <laughs> like mm-hmm. i'll just you'd be like yeah you could do this you know like you superimpose like a uh, <laughs> what is it uh super locrian over like the five chord or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah we like theological bridges we also like superimposing uh extended <laughs> chords over the top of the five so yeah exactly. uh, <laughs> welcome but, to forecast yeah <laughs> yeah but there was something to that that like i couldn't got i couldn't get that from just a youtube video of like jacob collier explaining to me what negative harmony was there was something to being in the space with the person and seeing what they're capable of and like I think there was something there that connected me to like a, oh, that taught me to, it expanded my vision of like what was possible and like what, um, um, yeah, like it, 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 I think being with my teachers like was important because it was an unembodied way for me to observe and be, and like to take in what it looks like to be further along and like knowing, um, and participating in this thing. It sounds like the formation of your guitar playing, and you've already made the sort of the analogous, like mm-hmm. you've drawn that line for us, but mm-hmm. it you needed, you didn't just need signposts. Sometimes yeah. you needed a shepherd or you needed some Absolutely. sort of like companion or, you know, again, pedagogue, whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> some sort of like, some sort of um, instruction. Uh, and that probably took on different, 
shape. And, and I think that, you know, it's certainly been my experience that not all instruction comes from conventional sources, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or from top down sometimes. Sometimes we're, we're, when, you're, when your ears are open and your eyes are open, hearts, are, all that stuff's open, yeah. uh, you might notice and, and gleam something. I, I know speaking, you know, candidly, I've certainly, even just at, at a purely musical level, I've certainly gleaned some things from you and quick <laughs> musical exchanges we've had because we didn't yeah. intersect as students at Point Loma, but in other sort of subsequent Loma sphere sort of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and, and, and that, that's, again, um, that's a credit to people who've helped me cultivate uh, awareness to, to, to even sort of listen and yeah. look in other places that aren't, aren't just always sort of, again, I mean, you're definitely up, <laughs> but, I mean, like, but like, but, but I'm older is what sure. I'm saying. And so like, no, and, yeah. so, and I think, I think what you're, what you sort of illuminate is uh, in time, you did need people who were further along mm-hmm. to like, to give you that sort of sensitivity. Have you found that to be true too now where maybe you glean and or uh, observe things in, in multiple directions, not just yeah. from those who have gone before, but, but mm-hmm. from other ways in, ser- in terms of how your current vocation is shaped? Because you did kind of allude to that, I thought, at least yeah. earlier mm-hmm. on where you talked about connect, you, you got the heady stuff in terms of what you maybe picked up in yeah. philosophy, theology classes and whatnot. Yeah. Then you get boots on the ground moments in sort of local contexts where people aren't necessarily trading in that, whether it's vocabulary or concepts. Right. Uh, where have you also continued to be informed doing the work you're doing now in shaping people's vocation? <laughs> yeah. How does your vocation continue to take shape and continue to be informed from all directions is my question, I guess. Or is that totally. even a thing? Yeah. No, it's absolutely a thing. I think it's um very similar to kind of like uh, as a guitar player, just like working stuff out inside of myself and then needing to bring that to someone else, both of like, what do I do with this? I'm stuck here. Mm. Or, or even just like having someone be like, Oh, there's like, there's more, or like, there's a, there's a broader way of seeing this. Um, and that's what, like, I think the mentors and pastors that have been most significant to me of like, I think of, um, the dude, like one of my RDs in college was like a philosophy theology major himself. And, I remember like being sophomore year philosophy theology major and starting to wrestle with like kind of like as a guitar player being like ooh I'm running up into these things called secondary dominance I have no idea what to do, what to do with these I was running up into stuff like what is it like what what do I think about the soul and the body like in class I was like and now it's like messing with this and like I don't know what to make of like what it means to be saved or whatever sure. and like all this and like to have somebody one just like i could see like it was a physical person that was sitting in front of me that i know took these same classes and like was wrestling with these same questions but embodied a way of life of like oh wow like you are further along in this journey than i am and Mm -hmm. for whatever reason you're still like here in the church and you still find this valuable and i think i want to get there like Mm -hmm. what helped you like i have these questions and i know you had them too like what like what is it that helped you and i think that like that mentor as well as like my pastors at this church at genesis church were like i i think working with these pastors and with these leaders came at such a crucial time of just like having graduated i I was left with so many questions and so many disconnects of like 
what do, like how do I reconcile this piece of like what I think was part of my faith but like it doesn't quite gel with kind of this mm. life experience or these like shifting longings or like these shifting discomforts with how the world is and to see people being like to to know that these people have wrestled with these same questions and like are doing the work of the church and that there's to see that they're still working it out in themselves yeah um was um was very very like very important and crucial to me right um and so a lot of a lot of the working out is was like bringing these questions and to have a space to feel like it was it was safe for me to have doubts and it was safe for me to bring questions and kind of like thoughts that kind of maybe feel scary to share to other people that like i think i think this about god now and i'm not sure what to do with it and Mm. to 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 have people who are like um both like give space to hold that without judgment but also kind of like invite me to see like oh there's deeper streams of like that um kind of kind of like being being a guitar player and being and being like, oh yeah there's deep like <laughs> there's deeper theories of like how to connect these chords or whatever <laughs> yeah like, um or like that there's oh there's more than just like western harmony <laughs> yeah yeah gosh. you know um and expanding my framework um but it's it always has to i think the through line between like how like these mentors helped hold my questions but then i think the through line that helped me still kind of like um stay connected to the church was like to to be able to wrestle with these questions while also working it out you know of like it's it's the it's the the relationship between like being introduced to this new concept in music theory but then you work it out in like your songs or like you figure like you're paying attention to how it feels under your fingers of working it out in an embodied way that like i think i i i count it as like a gift and a privilege that i was always kind of working these things out while still having to do the thing while Mm. still having to like be a worship arts intern or while still like pastoring people and um having the space to be able to journey together but like to to do that while still practicing the things and that's why i love liturgy i think that's what happened to me in college was like i was finding more and more of a disconnect of like i don't think i can tap into the like if if high school was like me running off the juices of like the the big transcendent experiences those big emotional things aren't happening for me anymore Mm. but to find that like liturgy is this thing that grounds you kind of like a well, I can always practice my scales and like sometimes it'll click and it'll help me, but sometimes it'll feel rote, but it's, it's, it's keeping me tethered to this thing and it's growing something like muscle memory in me. Sure. Um, that like, um, that's what liturgy and sp- like, a- and spiritual practice is like one of the key like anchor points of what we do at Shema is like in patterning ourselves after like the monastics, like in monasteries they gather together for morning prayer like every day (laughs) and then that like that catapults them into the rest of their day and they do their stuff and then they come back together for midday prayer and that's not always feasible given our different schedules but at the very least like coming together there are many moments where like i would show up to morning prayer and like i would i would feel like i wasn't getting anything from the scriptures or like but like to have to have words that I was able to pray and like to be able to lean upon that when I didn't have language to offer up mm. myself was kind of like scales of like, shoot, I don't have anything, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't have anything to write, but like playing these things I know is good for me. And it's like, 
shape that's sort of like a some... oh go ahead. yeah finish that oh that's it just like shaping my muscle memory forming something good in me <laughs> right and that and that that's sort of i think part of my previous question got a little bit uh uh buried too but just that sort of i mean perhaps points to this sort of like lateral accessibility and lateral yeah. points of, in, of input maybe too it's yeah. that you you don't need a <clears throat> sometimes the 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 people or the circumstance that that inspires that type of growth or that type of formative experience yeah. isn't the isn't the professor above you or isn't right. even the mentor it might be the person sitting next to you who has none of the same trainings or backgrounds <laughs> or anything that you gleaned something from again that oh, is yeah. insightful and instructive and just as valuable to shaping your sense of personal vocation oh, yes. um, insofar as again your sense of personal vocation involves cultivating shaping vocation too yeah. <laughs> so having having yeah i mean it's it's very like uh that can sound, I can, I, I mean, I imagine there, there's some pressures you feel in that as well, uh, as sort of like a quote vocational coach, we might say, sure. or, or someone who's helping to, again, point toward this concept. Um, mm -hmm. you've given us a great example of how it's, how it's, you know, worked itself out in, in your life, at least in part. And, and the guitar mm -hmm. playing was a great way to locate that, I think. Mm -hmm. and help see like some of the diligence and discipline and then looking for guides along the way that mm -hmm. point to that. Um, but yeah, it must, you, you must feel some degree of, uh, uh, I guess maybe trepidations of, of, of too fancy of a word, but like some sure. degree of like, uh, you know, uh, pressure maybe is just an easy way of saying it or, yeah. or, uh, you might encounter worry. I don't know. Do you, do you I ever do. feel like, uh, do you ever feel a little out of place or like uh, out, out of your depth in sort of the ways in which you're trying to help other people encounter senses of vocation? Or do, are yeah. these rhythms that you've uh, alluded to, this, these sort of monastic practices, um, yeah. uh, do they sustain and, and kind of step in the gap there for you? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I do think that they step in the gap. I absolutely feel, I absolutely feel imposter syndrome every day. <laughs> of like of like who am i to um i don't know if that's what you're hinting at but like i do feel this pressure of like um um i mean fortunately right right now like a lot of the work that i do is kind of like on the back end of like programming and um, not programming on a computer sense but just like helping direct the apprenticeship program as well as like doing a podcast also and kind of like uh tackling conversations on there and but i i am like currently like mentoring one of um uh, like someone who's a little bit younger than me, who's like in, who's a music pastor himself. And I felt like, oh, there's a lot of connections there. And I think the way that I approach that, I do feel a lot of pressure, but what, what I think grounds me is the sense of like, no, I don't think that what we're about and what I'm about or where I'm leading from is like, a, oh, I figured it out. And like, I know all the answers and here's what mm. you got to do step by step. It's kind of just like a, hey, I think I'm a, like, just by virtue of how much like of like i've done this for a couple years more like i'm maybe down the road like a little ways down the road from you and, and i i resonate a lot of it is empathy of just like dude i know mm. where you're at you just graduated and you're trying to make sense of what do i do with my time and how do i like reconcile this with wanting to like spend time with like my girlfriend <laughs> or like trying to figure out what it's like to live alone or like trying to live yeah. with a roommate and like a lot of it is this empathy of just like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm a, I'm, I've, I've gone through that. <laughs> like I've, I'm a few years ahead, kind of like as a guitar player of like, I don't think that I'm ever going to like, 
there's I it's been so humbling for me the past few years to realize how many like if if I thought I was um hot stuff in middle school and high school just realizing like oh there's there's plenty of people like better than me and that that's a <laughs> that, that's like a comforting thing I think it's just like I try to maintain that humility too of like yeah apprenticeship in the way of like i don't consider myself like a master in the way that the jedi analogy might <laughs> yeah sure cool. like like point point toward yeah and yeah. even there maybe maybe we can be gracious to the jedis maybe the maybe yeah. yoda's greatest strength is is that he doesn't consider himself that's st- i don't know <laughs> yeah i think there is something there i'm sure there's uh, yeah more we don't need we don't need a re- jedi work yeah we don't need to redeem uh get into that that wormhole if as you as it were yeah. uh, no i have a lot of respect for it but um I think where I see my role is just kind of like, dude, I was where you were three years ago, and this stuff helped me, and I'm still working this out with you, and I don't like to deal in absolutes, like, not in like a, like, I I feel fine about having convictions on things that are important, but I don't, like, I always want to keep, like, a, I'm always, I always want to be open to be repositioned, whether it's by people, like you said, like, mm. mentors who are older than me, or even people who are, like, laterally, who just have different experiences, like, I think that that's... I think that the way to do faith and engage in faith and engage in what it means to be human and what it means to be humans, like trying to commune with each other and God means that we have to be open. And so I think that that posture of humility is like key to kind of what we're doing that we're not like, I think it's, it's key for us to remember every, like every time kind of we meet as an organization, like, and we have like our, our, our like our team meetings and try to evaluate the direction of where things are going that we always have to find ourselves with the humility that like we don't like we're not trying to prescribe a set of things in in the same way that like i don't know people in high performance habits literature <laughs> in yeah, like yeah. the business world might it's right. kind of just like a hey this thing didn't we didn't we literally didn't even make this up this is just a thing that we think is cool that like we're bummed that a lot of faith traditions outside of <laughs> like yeah. more like mainline streams don't don't get to be a part of this so we want to bring this and so it's That's always cool. pointing to something outside of ourselves and speaking experientially of like a hey this is this has helped us and held us and we're still going through it and we just want to invite you to it to like yeah, that, with us the, the image i get uh maybe it's there's two potential images here but the image i get uh with with you know you speaking of your capacity as a, a mentor um it just sounds like, you know, being out in, in, in a field or a forest mm-hmm. at night or maybe a cave. Yes. So oh, here's, absolutely. here's your images and you've got, you're the guy with the flashlight, you know what yes. I mean? And then sure. a couple of steps, <laughs> a couple of steps behind is, yeah. is, is this other individual or these other people as it were. Yeah. And, and you, it is still vastly dark or unfamiliar yeah. and, and like we've and, got to figure this out together still yeah and, <laughs> i and, found and, the and, flashlight first for whatever reason <laughs> yeah and where you're going you know you know and but you're you're you might be pointing and you might be a few steps ahead but you are just as much uh on the constantly on the cusp of discovery or new insight uh in as much as this other person and again back to what i was what i've sort of baked into this too maybe yeah. that's my secret agenda i don't know but this <laughs> is that is is that that person behind you might still have insights about oh, where you're going absolutely. or or where you've been that that are that also play into again your own sort of uh formation mm-hmm. and and sense of uh uh vocational worth or identity mm-hmm. Oh.
As, as we kind of start to maybe um, uh, conclude our time together, there was another yeah. phrase that, that uh, again, there's no rush per se, but sure. there's another phrase you said towards the beginning that I took note of right away that I thought mm. was, uh, was really uh, was captivating uh, and it was very poetic. And, <laughs> uh, and then I thought, uh, man, that sounds so cool because it sounds like what, it sounds like you described it as work that Shema, mm. the, 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 sort of, uh, I guess, religious organization, we'll say, or ecclesial mm-hmm. body or whatever yeah. we want to call it, that you're affiliated with uh, is doing and you're doing. But also it sounded like sort of like a, um, a tagline in the definition of vocation. You said the formation of our longings. And I oh, thought, ooh, yeah. that's juicy. What, what is the formation of our longings because that connects back to the, 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 yeah. the Beekner quote, I think too. deepest goodness meets deepest needs. But tell me yeah. about the formation of our longings. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, that's a deep question to end with, <laughs> but I, I think <laughs> not necessarily end, but like moving, sure. moving that direction, maybe moving anyway. That direction. Yeah. I think part of where that comes out of for me, I, I know I, I owe a lot of like why I, um, care about this stuff to a, uh, a writer, a philosopher? philosopher, he's in Calvin College, James K. Smith, he wrote like a couple of Jamie. Things. Yeah. Oh, do the you dude. know him? Is that why you're a first name basis? 
Nah, we're not first name basis. <laughs> if he ever hears this, he'd be like, I don't know who's that guy. I don't He's know like, who's that guy? this guy? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think James um, K. A. Smith, yes. Yes, James K. A. Smith. I, I came upon one of his works in undergrad and I've I, I think that's that's why I care about this stuff was this was the first kind of person to kind of it and I guess it's like it's fairly Augustinian, but this kind of like um uh, this work called Desiring the Kingdom was the first kind of um book piece of writing um, that introduced me to the the concept that um, uh, as humans rather than kind of being just like thinking things that like where our character and like the kind of person that we are is shaped by what we know of like and I think that's how we approach Christianity a lot of the time especially those of us who are working from a western evangelical framework is that like I got to know the right things I got to know the right doctrines and that's what leads to me like behaving <laughs> rightly in the world hmm. but um this book helped pay attention to like no actually like we are first and foremost like loving creatures and that the things that that we surround like our daily habits and like more like broader than that um are the the cultural liturgies that we participate in mm. like are 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 shaping like kind of what we desire <laughs> uh and so and how like desire does so much to kind of move us like that that it's it's like a primary driving factor to why we do what we do becoming a guitar player exactly yeah so and so when i say having our longings formed i think i'm coming to understand that it's not necessarily like a I, I thought about this recently of like, I think there was a time growing up in that time when I was starting to play guitar where uh, <laughs> like, um, one of the one of the guys at the music at the local music store in Glendale, <laughs> Glendale, California, he was a he was like, hey, a Christian guy. hey, shout out to a very specific <laughs> town in L.A. <laughs> um, the 626 um, or whatever, yeah. or the 814 or whatever, 818. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I think yeah. I was 818 at that time. There you go. Yeah, sorry. Code. Digression. Anyway. Yeah, he was very well met and very encouraging. But I bought a new amp and he was like, hey, remember, like to read your Bible before you <laughs> like that comes first. And like that was that was fair and well meant, but I think I started to see those two things in competition with one another of mm. like, uh, um, and I started to wrestle with like, man, am I gonna have my guitars in heaven? <laughs> like, <laughs> do I have to chuck all that because of like because the desire of just being with God is far greater than that? And I don't think I'm there anymore. Whoa, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> you hey. know preaching to the choir yeah, <laughs> yeah. of like i i really don't like i don't think that that's um that's what my view of like eternity or heaven is like i think that there's something uh, that i i think it it does take some work and discernment to like figure out that vocation thing where our deepest longings and the world's deepest like needs meet or whatever mm -hmm. and that stuff like i think there's a room for like i think there's something like of God in my desire to play music and to write and to tell stories. And I don't think that God's going to like, I mean, whatever heaven even looks like for me <laughs> right now, I'm like sitting with that. But I think whatever eternity looks like in communion with God in the now and hereafter, I don't think that it's like, oh, well, you got to put your guitars down. 
I think so you're saying playing rock and roll won't send me to hell? I mean, come on. I mean, what am I? Right. What I am, am I thought this whole thing? <laughs> I'm willing to bet <laughs> a little more than I was <laughs> when I was ten that rock and roll is fine. <laughs> oh man, that's a whole other terrifying thing to unpack that you felt that as a ten year old. But but that's I, another. Oh, po- gosh, that's a whole other podcast episode, I guess, for another time. It sounds it like what you're saying is is that. James K. A. Smith and or yourself now and Shema yeah. and some of the work you're doing invites uh, gives us a sense of vocation in which our longings are invited to be formed yes. but not conformed. Does that make sense? Am I yeah. paraphrasing you correctly? I think so. I mean, I think there is some conformation of like there is a way that my desire to participate in music can be like um, I think maybe it's like drawing out maybe tuning it or something like mm-hmm. a, like a poorly tuned guitar or whatever, <laughs> you know, just like, oh, sure, like the desire, like there's something beautiful in what music connects me to, but that longing can also take me to places where I'm like inflicting violence on people because I'm like, because primarily what's driving me is like a desire for myself, you know? Sure. Of like, um, and so I think there is some refining that happened and so that like there is a way that like, I think my desire to like for drawing out beauty and telling stories and playing mm-hmm. music that there is something good and true and beautiful in that and that there are ways that that can be like expressed and malformed and so in some ways there is a con conformity that happens but it's not like it doesn't erase like my particularity mm. sure and i think i think you allude to another thing that maybe is helpful for our listener to consider and understand in their own uh searchings and formations that um and you can speak to this more. I'll, I'll sort of say a thing, and then you mm-hmm. can obviously expound on this. But um, it's it seems to me that you know your your journey in in vocational formation and identity, especially your journey as a musician or worship leader mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. But let's just limit it to musician, guitar player, mm-hmm. has not brought you to a place where now you only play music in and for church. Mm-hmm. and true. or and or I mean, to say that simply and crudely it yeah. also means that you don't only think of or listen to or regard quote christian music mm-hmm. uh you might unpack that or redefine that differently but sure. um that is to say that like you have not uh that kind of conformity or tuning that you're alluding to is not mm-hmm. to say that the alignment right. of your formation was not that you know now all of a sudden you've forsaken all these other sorts of things yeah. rather that you maybe have a deeper appreciation and sense of their their uh their depth of function in in your uh in your own sort of livelihood and and yes. story and how it interfaces with other people does that make any sense at all what i just that said makes, that makes makes 100% of the sense and to kind of bridge, the, <laughs> bridge yes <laughs> nailed it um to bridge this to kind of like um i don't know if it's a shameless plug but that's exactly what like the whole like we're called Shema because it's based on like it's the Shema prayer the Hebrew word and like it's the he it's the Hebrew for like hero Israel the Lord your God is one uh, mm. you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength that's the Shema prayer and mm. that's from the word here or whatever but that like in particularly in Jewish tradition that's the Shema is shorthand for that prayer um of and it's knowing that the Lord your God is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what the key there is like it's integration mm. of like that the heart, the soul, the mind, and when Jesus brings it like our strength, our bodies, that all those things are connected. 
And also, like, our podcast is called All Things, and the reason that we, we call it that is because we're trying to really take seriously this claim of just, like, Christ has reconciled all things to God's self. Mm. And that means that, like, and so th- that's where that comes in of, like, yeah, chasing, chasing down where, like, my longing and, like, where God's longings for the world and where the world's longings are, that the intersection of those things doesn't mean, like, this... Um, to put it to put it bluntly, like this kind of whitewashed package of Christianity of like this one form, but like to to understand all things, all of the created things, like that there is something of God in it, that or like that God's redemption reaches that. We understand intersections in terms of intersection at a point, because that's sort of the mathematical yeah. sense of it. But what you're talking about, maybe the word is intermingling. Ooh. You know what I mean? Where there's yeah. like a a, a a raveling, like some sort of like, you know, helix, double helix. Yeah. DNA. I'm getting into the science now. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, our imagery, modalism. Oh, gosh. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> so many side podcasts that need yeah. to happen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's 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 an endless can of worms. Um, wow. No, all of those things that you said are my favorite thing to know. Uh, uh, <laughs> Everything you just said is my favorite thing. thing. <laughs> Every day, uh, <laughs> no, but but really, Julius, this has been uh, illuminating and and insightful, and and thank you so much for giving a glimpse, uh, giving us the listener and and myself yeah. the interviewer uh, a glimpse into sort of your story and life, how you're seeing, how you're understanding what vocation is, yeah. um, how you how you've experienced formation, development, growth, giving us that sort of analogous. Uh, parallel you uh that's a redundant analogous parallel uh giving us that sort of analogy of 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 learning guitar and 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 being formed in in a certain way i I love so much of what we've talked about hopefully it has been coherent and followable for the listener and or at least has been edited as such (laughs) and uh, such uh, as as, yeah such as the hope of the the universe Uh, the the intermingling (laughs) wow again uh, all to say, uh, yeah, uh, Shema is something you're connected to. I'm hoping, again, as an addendum to the podcast, we can feature some of your own creative enterprises yes. and works. We'll, we'll hopefully post up some links and whatnot. Anything else you want to plug before we kind of wrap it up? Um, no, not really. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Check out Shema, S-H-E-M-A-S-D.org, and we've got a podcast called All Things. But there's a lot of things in the podcast app that have all things in it. So just type in all things Shema and we'll come up. Wow. <laughs> um, and then, yep, I do write music. I haven't released anything in a long time, but I've got stuff on Spotify that I really like, <laughs> that I enjoy, and it's a part of my story. So, Will, thanks for, uh, I really appreciate you for inviting me to this and giving me the space to talk about these things that I'm very passionate about. And, um, yeah, giving me a space and taking taking my story and my work seriously. This has been a very enjoyable conversation. Well, thank you so much. Forecast is a podcast brought to you by Foreshadow, an online magazine featuring writing and other media that point to the kingdom of God. Our website is foreshadowmagazine.com and we are on various social media platforms. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to now and be sure to share it through your own social channels. We will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Well, I'm going to hit stop.